Welcome back to Biblical Book Review. I'm Kevin. I'm Alec. And I'm George. We are so happy you are joining us for today's study. This week, we are going to look at the second part of chapter 20. What does that have to offer, George? Well, A.B. Bruce uh, has uh, delineated chapter 20 as, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And we ended last week with Jesus' lament as he looks into the near future for many of those individuals that are listening to him, uh, the Pharisees there that are being uh, lambasted, the apostles uh, to be those disciples that are closest to him, some of the other followers uh, that are there listening. And he looks into the future and he sees something that really disturbs him. He sees the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's because they've ignored God's will. And that should ring a bell in all of our lives. It's one of those things where Jesus can look into the future and he can see that when individuals ignore God's will, it's to their own destruction. And when nations ignore God's will, it's to their own destruction. And so we can learn a lesson uh, from this. And so when he says, behold, your house is being left to you desolate, and that, that must have broken his heart because he could see the calamity that was about to befall. And so A.B. Bruce attempts to uh, unfold and uh, interpret uh, chapter 24 of Matthew. And I believe, I believe he missed the mark. And, if, and the reason that I'm going to say that, and we're going to begin with this verse in chapter 24 of Matthew, verse 4, Jesus answers the apostles' questions. He says, see to it that no one misleads you. And that's been a problem uh, really, since the beginning of time, uh, you know, Adam and Eve were misled. We we looked through the all the history of God's people and how they were quite often misled, and their leaders here in in the first century are misleading the people, and and it happens. It it can occur, and it's easily uh, it it happens easily. Uh, if we're not reading and carefully understanding the Scripture. And so I believe A.B. Bruce needs to be corrected in the second half of his chapter. And I'm going to give you five reasons for this correction. And so if you'll kind of bear with me for a moment, I'm just going to buzz through these. But if you look at chapter 24 and you look at the first 35 verses, I believe that is Jesus' answer to the destruction of Jerusalem. So in those first 35 verses, Jesus is going to answer the apostles' questions. Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so these first two questions that they ask him, he believe, or I believe he answers, this is going to be the destruction of Jerusalem. And then from verse 36 to verse 51 of chapter 24, it's the second coming when the Lord returns. And so if you'll, if you'll look at this passage and you begin with uh, up until verse 36, all of what Jesus describes is preceded by some sort of sign. Verse 15, verse 27, verse 30, uh, there's going to be some sign that precedes the event of the destruction of Jerusalem. And verses 36, 42, 44, after verse 35, there are no signs. And it's just going to be a lightning bolt, and it's just 
going to happen. There's no sign. There's no warning. It's just boom. It happens. And so that's, that's the first reason I can divide this chapter this way. Second, when the Romans approach, this is the abomination of desolation. We go back to Daniel uh, chapter 9, and we read those verses from Daniel. And Daniel's told to seal this up. It's not important to the people of Daniel's time, but it's important to the people of Jesus' time when he's walking on earth as man. And so this abomination of desolation, when they see that eagle on that pole, when they see that, that group of soldiers approaching uh, Jerusalem, run, <laughs> get out and pray that it's not winter. Pray that you're not pregnant. Pray that you're not a woman. Pray, pray a bunch of things, but run for your life because it's going to be brutal. It's going to be horrible. And obviously when the Lord returns, uh, when that, uh, that great trumpet sounds, it doesn't matter where you run, <laughs> it's over. And so that's, that's a difference. And so that's number two. Number three, when uh, verse 34, it says, this generation, uh, before this generation passes away. Well, what's he talking about? He's looking at people, and he's talking to people, and they're alive at that moment, and it's a generation of people, and he says, it's going to happen in this generation. Some of you standing here are going to see it. And some of you standing here are going to perish in the event. And so verse 34 is that third reason when before this generation passes away, this is all going to happen. And so obviously verse, the first 35 verses can't be the end of time. Otherwise, we have some really, really old people wandering around from that generation. And so just think of that. And then the fourth uh, it's kind of it's a kind of a, a look at the text when he uses the word those days and these things. He's using a plural form of a word uh, in the verses that lead up to verse thirty-five in verses nineteen and twenty-two and twenty-nine, and he'll say these these things and those days, uh, and then at the end, verses thirty-six and following, he'll say that day. And so it becomes, it changes from uh, plural to singular. And so during the first 35 verses, there's several days, there's a lot of things happening, but that day, verse 36, that day, it's different. And so these are the reasons I believe that we can, we can divide the chapter in this fashion, verses 1 through 35, the destruction of Jerusalem, and verses 36 and following to 51, it's going to be the end of time, the second coming of Christ. Yeah, I think that, totally agree with you, but I think the reason it fits so much for today's time is because of human nature. The humans keep doing the same things over and over again. We have wars, we have upheavals, we have this, we have that, and it's in our nature to want to know what's coming. I have ruined many of my own Christmases, sorry mom and dad if you're listening to this, by sneaking into their closet and looking at my gifts because I wanted to know what I was going to get. It's part of our curiosity and our human nature. We just keep repeating things. And so for it to make it seem like, well, it's now this is happening today. Well, it seems like that, but that's just because we haven't changed. Yeah. And it all comes down to the, the, the misunderstanding of Jesus is answering three separate questions. Uh, the apostles come to him and ask him, uh, there it's in, in verse 3 of Matthew chapter 24, 
Uh, he, tell us when these things will be. And what was he just talking about? All the seven woes, the lament over Jerusalem, these types of things that Jesus has been talking about. And so they ask, well, when are these things going to be? And what's the sign of your coming? And then what's the sign of the end of the age? And so he's he's going to answer three separate questions. And like Dad was talking about, he spends a lot of time talking about the sign, the signs of the the lament over Jerusalem, and these types of things, and I find it funny, you know, the, the idea of many of this generation won't pass away, and people look at that and go, "Yep, that's the sign of the end of the times." It's like, what are you talking about? These people would be ancient, uh, ancient old. Uh, you know, they'd be thousands of years old uh, if Jesus was telling the truth. And spoiler alert, uh, he always tells the truth. Uh, and so uh, he, he's not lying here. And so it's just a misunderstanding of how Jesus is answering these three separate questions. Uh, and then we, as humans, we we mix them all into the same package. Uh, and I think it may be also uh, something that uh, you know comes down to the fact that how we divide our scriptures into chapter and verse and different things like this. If there was a chapter break at verse 35, right there in Matthew chapter 24, I think there'd be less of a <laughs> misunderstanding. But, you know, uh, there it's just we when we're reading through Scripture, uh, sometimes we don't pay attention to certain words like these days and that day uh, and the certain things that Jesus is talking about. And, and, and Dad talked about it a little bit here, the, the, the concept of he, he warns the people, run to the hills. When you see the abomination of desolation, run. If we're talking about the end of time, what good is that going to do? Uh, like we talked about, it's like it's it's going to do nothing to run to the mountains when God returns. It's like the mountain's going to be destroyed. Everything is going to be gone. You running to the hills it does nothing. And so Jesus' warning there would be meaningless. Uh, unless he was talking about something else. And so we have to make sure that we are reading the context of the Scripture and understanding what questions Jesus is answering, uh, and there's a time uh, context as well that we must understand. Now, take it to us today, why would Jesus write, or why would this be in our gospel if it wasn't for us? Well, what lessons can we learn from it? And that, we'll kind of get into that uh, today, but we can learn some lessons today on how we should respond to certain events that are happening in our lives uh, and when terrible things happen. Uh, but it's it's not a, as many people, unfortunately, and A.B. Bruce included, uh, wraps all of these things into the end of time and judgment day, and he misunderstands uh, the questions that Jesus is actually answering. Jesus has this idea in his mind to answer these questions, and he says, uh, there's going to be many that are misled and many, he says, will be claiming to be me. And even in some of the, uh, the other writings that are happening about the same time, Josephus, for instance, claims that many did rise up claiming to be the chosen one, the anointed one, the Christ. Uh, there is a man by the name of Judas and Thudius, uh, they claim to be the Messiah, and it's like, well, that's going to happen. There's going to be wars and war, war rumors, and there's going to be those that announce the end, and nations and kingdoms and calamities. And so there are there. It's very easily uh, to be misled uh, along with 
what's happening in this world. And I believe Kevin mentioned this, you know, with the, uh, the attack on Israel uh, and, you know, the ongoing war in Ukraine. And you see all of this just continuing. It seems like, is there ever going to be an end to war? I mean, haven't we learned our lesson? Well, no. And so it, con- it continues. And so here's, here's Jesus saying, don't be misled. And then he says, it's just the beginning. And uh, he uses a, a, a something that's very familiar to us when we uh, have uh, uh, children. We have our wife, and she, where she says, I'm, I'm fixing to have a baby. We better get to the hospital. There's birth pains. There's, there's something happening. I'm having contractions. Okay, this is what's it's going to be like this. And he says, here's what's going to be happening to you as individual disciples. You will be delivered up. You will be killed. You will be hated. Many are going to fall away. Many are going to be betrayed. There's going to be hate. There's going to be left and right. There's going to be, you know, my way, your way. There's, there's, there's going to be these problems, false prophets. They're going to lead many astray. There's going to be lawlessness. And we see all of that occurring in these next two or three decades, four decades at the most, from the time that Jesus is speaking uh, to these disciples, he says, you're going to see it, you're going to witness it, and it's going to be terrible. It's just, it's just the beginning of the destruction of this beautiful city. They were looking at stones that had been strategically placed in and around Jerusalem, and they were admiring the craftsmanship. That's what the disciples were looking at. They were looking at these beautiful buildings, these beautiful walls, these beautiful gates, and they were impressive. And Jesus sees something else. And then he says, I want to challenge you to endure to the end. The end of what? Well, the end of Jerusalem. It's coming. And there's nothing you can do to stop it at this point. It's too far gone. And Jesus says, prepare. And when you see it, And like Alec mentioned, you run. You don't go back and get your coat. You don't go and you just run. And he says, get out. It's going to end poorly. And this destruction, this is going to be the end of the Jewish age. In fact, the only way a Jew can prove that they're Jewish is by the records that are found in the temple. (laughs) And in AD 70, all of those records that they kept since Aaron was made high priest, all of those records, all the genealogies, all of it was destroyed. The entire system of Judaism was wiped out. And they still still have no idea if they're a Jew or not. (laughs) There's no way for them to prove it. Now, they may live in that area, but it's like, there's no way for them to prove it. And so that's what Jesus sees. Yeah, and we we often, when, when we read about the ages in Scripture, uh, the different ages, we have a very limited view uh, of time itself when we are looking at the ages. And so when, when Jesus is describing a, a, an end of an age or, or an era or certain events that are happening here, and just to bring it into to our point of view here, these, this idea of wars and rumors of wars and, and all these things that are going to be happening and taking place. And then there's this specific event that he's looking at, uh, Jerusalem here, 
but the continuation of wars just just because there's still wars today doesn't mean that the the there's the end of time is coming you know many people will look at these things as prophetic end of time uh things and 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 that's what we're trying to point out here with what Jesus is talking about he's talking about a specific event uh in history uh the destruction of Jerusalem and I find it interesting, you go back through and you read uh, some of the uh, contemporary historians of the day, uh, like Josephus and others that wrote about how many Christians were saved from this destruction of Jerusalem. And I find, how did that happen? Well, they listened to what Jesus said here, and when they saw the signs, they fled the city, and many survived in the hills and the mountain regions of Jerusalem while Jerusalem was being destroyed by the Romans. How did they do that? <laughs> well, they listened, and Jesus was gave them this warning here, and they kept it and listened, and it, it worked. They survived this, this abomination of desolation. And I think knowing that history, knowing this, that's why we're told about it, because now we're told to be ready for the end of the world. Right, those who listen to him for the first little, you know, watch out, Romans. Here we go. It's not a little thing; it's a very big thing. Right, destruction of Jerusalem. They survived. Are we going to listen to him on the second part of this? Right? Are we going to be prepared for the end of time? I think about it as you look at the way the old law to the new covenant. Right, the way it all broke up. It was they knew what they had to do to be able to be forgiven. Like, okay, these sacrifices that their heart was taken out of it. We've gone through that how many times through this book? Look at the new covenant. It's all about your heart, your love for God, wanting to live for him. If we knew the end of time, if we could see when that was going to happen, there'd be people that would be living without heart for God, and then right at the last second be like, all right, I'll just go ahead and make that sacrifice. No, that's not how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live with our hearts for God. That's how he wants us to live, and it doesn't matter when the end of times are going to be. We don't need to live in fear. Because we're ready, because we love God, and we're living that way for him. That is an excellent lesson that uh, we all need to learn. And I believe that's the reason the Holy Spirit moved Matthew to put this information, and Luke for that matter, put the information in our Gospels. And that is the lesson that needs to be learned. Prepare to meet thy God. There used to be a thing back in the 60s and 70s where these guys would wear these sandwich boards, and one side would say, prepare and the other side would say to meet God. I mean, that's that's the lesson that we learn here in 24. And like Alec mentioned, many were paying attention when they saw the signs that all pointed to one conclusion, this is the end of Jerusalem, they ran away. And because of that, they were saved. They listened to Jesus. And when we listen to Jesus today, and we prepare today, when the Lord does return, and nobody knows when that will be, we'll be ready. And that's the, the lesson that needs to be learned from all of this. And so basically what happens in 24 of Matthew is we learn the lesson to do what we're told. And just the reason why we didn't throw out the Old Testament as well when we have the new, right? We have the character of God, and we have lessons from God, and we can learn more about God. Same thing here. We can learn more about what we're supposed to be before it is our turn to be in the end, which, guess what? We all have an end. 
whether it be the end of times or the end of your life, it's coming. Yep. And we can learn lessons of how to avoid travesty on earth today. I mean, you see uh, signs of, of evil and, and all these different things. Well, what does scripture advise us to do? Well, remove yourself from those situations. Get away. Uh, if you want to save your, your physical life, uh, there are some signs that we can, we can seek uh, to save our physical life if we're paying attention. Uh, we're not just blindly wandering through life. Uh, but like, like Jesus said here in, in Matthew 25, 24, uh, this can be misleading uh, and it can be confusing. Uh, and like we talked about, even A.B. Bruce in, in our book is misled and confused on what Jesus is talking about here. And so if you're listening uh, to this podcast, uh, don't be discouraged. It's, it, it can be confusing, but you can understand it, uh, and it can be understandable. Uh, so just seek the truth, and, and don't be afraid of the, the events that are going on around you, thinking, uh, you know, the end is, is nigh. The end is always near. <laughs> we, the, we have to live like that, like it's going to be today. Uh, and that's, that's the lesson we should be learning from this. That and don't be like George and live very far from the mountains. <laughs> live in the mountains. <laughs> There's nowhere to flee to in Texas. Yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> they can watch you run for two weeks, George. <laughs> That's right. My dog left and I watched him leave for two weeks. <laughs> no, uh, the idea here it becomes you, you look at the text and then when you start to see how all of it fits together and all the different aspects of of how we understand the scripture. Look at verse 22 of Matthew 24. And unless those days, not a day, but those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days shall be cut short. So who's he talking about? Who's Jesus speaking of? Well, he's talking about us. He's talking about Christians, talking about individuals, our brothers and sisters, who because it didn't take a whole lot of time. Romans came in and did it quickly. Several survived. And a lot of those were those that actually listened to what Jesus said. And so when you start looking at it and understanding exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying and exactly what he wants us to infer and to understand, all of this makes sense. And he says, as lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. And so what we learn from these verses, this isn't the end of time. It's judgment in time. This occurs and has always occurred throughout history. And you think about, you go back to, we mentioned Daniel, the abomination of desolation. You go back to Daniel, the first couple of chapters, and Nebuchadnezzar is having a dream about a statue, this massive structure, and the head is gold and the body is silver and all that all the way down. And Daniel is given the interpretation, and all of this leads to the fact that God judges nations during time. He doesn't wait till the end of time to bring nations before him. He judges them during time, and that's what he's doing with his own people in Jerusalem. He's judging them because they rejected him. And that's something we can learn also from this text. As a nation, don't be surprised if God judges our nation. Why? We've rejected him. 
don't be surprised when God says, I've had it. That's it. You're done. That's what he did with Jerusalem. That's what he did with Babylon. That's what he did with Greece. That's what he did with, you know, the Medes and the Persians. That's what he did with Rome. He says, once you reach a point of no return, I'm sending in judgment. That's what the son of man, that's what it, that's what it's described as in scripture. Then the son of man comes and then it's start over. (laughs) Whoever's left picks up the pieces and let's try again. Follow me or not. And until verse 35, there's a great day coming and that's a different day. That day it's over. Yeah, and, and I find it encouraging. You go back and study all the those nations that ro- rose and then fell because of God's judgment upon them, even the Israelite nation. There was always described in Scripture with these holy nations a remnant. There was always a remnant of those that were left behind that still believed in God, that still held him in high regard, that still worshiped the creator. And so even if the nation around us falls to pieces, your responsibility is to remain faithful to God because you don't know what God's going to use after the nation has fallen. It may be us as a remnant to reestablish uh, his his earthly <laughs> Uh, kingdom, so to speak, uh, here with to, to continue on uh, Christianity uh, because of our faithfulness. And so it can be very easy uh, to see the destruction and the wars and the rumors of wars and the desolation and God judging nations. And we can just go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to just, no, I'm not going to have any part of this. My encouragement is to remain faithful no matter what. And unfortunately, you go back through and look at history, some of those people that remained faithful, it was not pretty for them, uh, physically speaking. Uh, You go back and look at the Roman Colosseums, and you look back at all these other different types of uh, Christian persecution that's happened in the past, and those that remained faithful, and we look at those and go, well, what's the benefit? Well, (laughs) the benefit is eternal life. The benefit is a glorified state in the presence of God. There's there are massive benefits for remaining faithful, and we have to look at this life as just that vapor, uh, as Scripture describes it, as just temporary, uh, as we are sojourning or uh, camping <laughs> here on earth. Uh, it's a temporary dwelling place, and we have to look beyond that and remain faithful even when not if, but even when everything else around us falls apart. That's, that's what our calling is as uh, Christians, as believers in God. When it falls apart? That's right. <laughs> it looks like it's it is going right to fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> looking at this, I go back, uh, I forget how many chapters we talked about. Be careful what you pray for. And we had that, you know, lesson for maybe Bruce. And we've prayed for, you know, we pray for the church, we pray for growth, we pray for more Christians. And I, we'll get it, but it may not be in the way we think we're going to get it. Because we also pray, you know, I'll let our country be this, that, and the other. Well, I probably won't be with the growth that we want. And it takes me back to a saying um, that I've heard a lot at work lately, that hard times make hard men, which create soft times, which make soft men, which create hard times. Cycle life, right? Well, we're entering the 
the soft men portion of this and almost the hard times. But we can look at that in Christianity too. We can see that as we look back through history, we need to prepare for hard times as Christians and not prepared as in run to the hills and hide from everyone, but prepared as in get ready to go out there, be shrewd, be smart, but ready to evangelize the world because we're going to have opportunity when times get hard. But we need to make sure that we're prepared for that so we don't fall away and that we're not soft in our walk. That is excellent. And Jesus kind of does a, a little, kind of a interesting little apocalyptic, uh, you know, sidebar, beginning about verse 29. Uh, some uh, manuscripts, some uh, commentators have described this text from verse 29 to 31 as the, the little apocalypse. <laughs> and he uses very apocalyptic language he uses the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky that that sounds like ezekiel sounds like zechariah and isaiah and daniel and revelation it sounds very mysterious and then uh, you know the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and all the tribes that will mourn the son of man coming on the clouds he, he quotes a passage back in daniel and all of this is this little apocalypse. And it's like many people will automatically think this is the end of the age. This is the end of the world. But notice the little verse or the word there in verse 29, immediately after, immediately. What does immediately mean? Does it mean a 2,000-year pause? (laughs) Has immediately ever meant Let's wait a couple of thousand years for all this to occur. Has it ever meant that? No, of course not. And the Holy Spirit isn't an idiot. The Holy Spirit uses words for us to understand. And so the words immediately after can't refer to the second coming of Christ. It has to refer to something that's going to happen immediately after the destruction of Jerusalem. So this this uh, text is talking about what's happening before, during, and immediately after this destruction of Jerusalem. And he refers to those days. And it's, it's uh, we keep going back to that. It's like, it's not a day, it's many days. And there's events that are within history. We can go back and look at what happened in those days when Jerusalem was destroyed. And so, obviously, these even these verses that look very futuristic. It's not uncommon for the Holy Spirit to use apocalyptic language uh, to describe some things to where they're very uh, memorable. I mean, the sun darkened, the moon loses its light, stars falling, the coming on the clouds. What we learn from this is God rules nations. That's what apocalyptic language teaches. That's what it always has taught and that's what it always will teach. God rules the nations. Now, we may have a president or a, or a king, or we have uh, governments that uh, think they're ruling the nations, but in reality, God rules the nations. Yeah, before Alec goes to Romans, the word you were looking for, George, for a few thousand years is soon, not immediately. <laughs> soon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) No, but yeah, this, I mean, sometimes this language and uh, apocalyptic language 
can be very confusing. But uh, if you go back, like like Dad was saying, you, you study the book of Ezekiel, you study the book of Daniel, you study the book of Revelation, uh, this picturesque language uh, is used often in Scripture, and it's frightening uh, to us sometimes, especially if we're uh, we don't understand and we go, what is happening here? And like you know, Revelation will talk of a dragon and and these different things, and we have uh, <laughs> all these weird things that we find in Scripture. But if we go back through and study what these signs are pointing to, what the the language is trying to describe and try to get you to picture something in your mind, uh, it, it it's talking about this immediate. Uh, tribulation, this immediate judgment of the nations and the those that have been elect, those that are the remnant, <clears throat> or those that have died, but they were chosen by God because of their choice, they're going to be gathered up uh, and they're going to be uh, into the presence of God. And so there's there's hope for us in here. There's there's tribulation and and problems for those that have rejected God, but there's comfort for those that have uh, accepted Him. And so it's it's a hopeful passage that uses frightening language if we don't understand what He's talking about. I thought you were going to go to the authority of those put into positions above us in government. <laughs> but you, you were already there. I, I was didn't already there, to go yeah. there. And <laughs> I know it upsets you too, so that's probably why you didn't go there. <laughs> and the, the lesson, obviously, he even uses a parable of a fig tree, and he says, you understand how this works with a fig tree. When you see this, you recognize that Jesus is right at the door. He is right there, and it's happening. And there is, really, uh, unless you run for the mountains, unless you run for the hills, there's no escape. If you're in the city, you're dead, unless your name has to be Jeremiah. I mean, when they came in, uh, back when uh, Nebuchadnezzar came and sent his army, uh, kind of the same thing, it was like, we know you, you're that preacher. Let's, you can have a choice. You can stay here, or you can go. But if, unless your name is something that everybody knows, you're done. If you're inside, that's it for you. And so this generation, there's a group of people alive in this time. You're going to see this. So prepare. And then the transition, verse 36. But, that little word, and then that day. <laughs> there's the transition into the second coming. And we see the next 10 verses. All of this, there's an hour, there's a day, no one knows, not even the angels, not even the sun, no one knows. They'll be eating, drinking, marrying, everybody. Life just goes on, just like it was with the time of Noah. And Jesus says, then I'll come. And then he uses those phrases that are so frightening. There'll be two in the field. One will be taken, one left. There'll be two uh, grinding. One will be taken, one's left. Jesus will take the faithful with him. That's who he's coming for. He's coming for the faithful, for that remnant. Alec talked about this remnant of people that are prepared. And that's the description. Jesus will take to himself those of us who remain faithful. And it's a sad day for those who are unfaithful. Just like the days of Noah. 
verses 37 to 41, just like the days of Noah. <laughs> they went about their normal activity. They were just living their life, whatever they wanted to do. And all of a sudden, they're shocked. It's raining? <laughs> it's what? It's what, what's rain? And it's coming. We are, we are warned it was going to be a day, and yet we ignored that. And so this is how it's going to happen. Prepare. Because if you don't, death. That's the, that's the difference, and that's what God wants us to understand from these chapters, from this particular chapter in Matthew. Yeah, and I find it interesting, uh, comical, probably sad, uh, that people have taken this chapter, verse twenty or chapter twenty-four of Matthew, kind of out of its context to try to predict when Jesus is coming back, and trying to discern from signs that they witness in in life and say, well, he's coming back at this time, or it's going to be coming up real soon, and all these kind of things. Where Jesus says multiple times in this passage. No one knows when this is coming. In, in verse uh, uh, 44, where he says, For this reason, be ready. The Son of Man is coming in the hour which you will not think he will. It's like you can't discern. You can't look at the signs of the times and and be, you know, and, and game it, you know, to where a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to live sinful up until this point, and then I'm going to change because he, Jesus is coming back. Uh, that way I can be ready. It's like, n- no. The, the entire lesson here is we need to be ready always because it's not going to happen when we think it's going to happen or when we know it's going to happen or when we can predict it's going to happen because Jesus himself says, not even the angels nor the Son of Man knows. Only the Father knows when the judgment day is happening. And then, you know, people will, will look at this idea of, well, people being left behind and there's a whole series of, you know, left behind and there's going to be uh, this thousand year reign on earth. Like there's just so much confusion over the end of time uh, and, and what's going to be taking place. And it's what Jesus is teaching here is this, this concept of be prepared because it, we have no idea and we're going to be living life just like normal. And then all of a sudden the entire world will be gone. <laughs> and then those that are faithful, those that were prepared, will be meeting Jesus in the sky. Everyone else will be swept away. Uh, and so our responsibility is to be prepared at all times for this coming of Jesus, because we don't know, and we cannot predict, and we cannot look at signs in the in the ages to point to a, a specific date or time, or even a, a relative general <laughs> uh, guess. It's it's going to be, as Jesus described, like a thief in a night. It's it's not going to be something we can predict. Yeah, and our, our human nature is we want to predict it. We want to know, right? I look at people that get in car accidents, and they're like, I never thought this would happen to me. This never is going to happen to me. I go to them all the time for work, and I see it all the time, and every time, same thing. I never thought this would happen to me. And it's like, well, good thing you put on your seatbelt when you got in your car. And that's kind of the point here is, Put on your seatbelt and be ready because you don't know when it's going to happen to you. And so the key is the word prepare. And so when you look at chapters 24 and 25, there's danger if we are not prepared. Just like the day of Noah, they did nothing and the flood came. Eight souls were saved because they prepared. There's some parables, some interesting uh, teaching in chapter 24, there's the danger of 
delayed preparation. Yeah, Alec mentioned this. Oh, my master's going to be gone. I'll just put it off. Uh, I won't really do anything until I really have to. Well, that ends poorly. Then there's the danger of partial preparation. The first couple verses of chapter 25. There's young ladies, these five virgins that prepared up to a point, but not enough. I mean, they, they almost had the proper preparation, but not quite. It was partial preparation, but then they weren't actually prepared. And then there's examples of proper and improper preparation, another uh, parable of the talents, and you prepare. Uh, this becomes our, uh, our own uh, device. We have to decide if we are going to be prepared, if we want the reward, or if we're going to settle for punishment. And so that's the, that's the key word in chapter 24, prepare. And don't be deceived. Don't, don't follow along with the crowd. Don't just believe things that are, are put out there online or wherever you get your information. It's like, do your own work, do your own homework and look at the text and then prepare. That's really the key. When we are forewarned, we're forearmed. That's the idea. Jesus has given us the warning. Now it's up to us to listen and prepare. Yeah, and I think you kind of touched on a little bit something there too uh, with this idea of you have to make it personal. It has to be something that you can decide on yourself. No one else can make this choice for you. And don't just trust everything that's told to you. Uh, Even great teachers like A.B. Bruce here, for an example, uh, can get certain things I, I believe wrong uh, on what scripture teaches, even though he has some great insights into many other topics. There are some topics that he, he botches. Uh, and even us in this podcast, we probably have gotten many things wrong. <laughs> I'm not ever going to claim that I know everything or can do everything right. Don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> no one can see us. It's not a video podcast. <laughs> But, uh, you know, that, that idea of don't just trust what you've heard, uh, it's this idea of trust but verify. You must verify the facts for yourself, and your faith must be your own personal faith based off of your understanding of what Jesus has taught you. Uh, don't just blindly follow what somebody else has said. Uh, even if they are a trustworthy source, they can get it wrong. Uh, and so we need to be prepared. We need to be using our talents, and we we don't need to be last-minute preparation or, or partial preparation or any of these types of things that Jesus warns about in these parables that he's talking uh, to his disciples here. It's it's ultimate preparation. We must be fully committed to God always, all the time. Uh, That way, when Judgment Day happens, it will be surprising that it's happening, (laughs) you know, because it's not something we can prepare prepare for the time for, but we'll be prepared for it. It'll be something that's like, okay, I was ready for this, and then we can have confidence uh, in our faith, as Scripture describes. It's not something, well, I, I don't know, I guess so. It's no, we can have ultimate confidence uh, in our faith because of the promises that God has given us, and God has always been reliable and faithful. So, uh, scary passages, <laughs> but understandable, and there's some great lessons we can learn from them for sure. We leave you with these questions. 
Are you currently being faithful to God in all that he has given you? How can you take a greater part in seeking to evangelize the world? You will definitely be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ on the last day. Are you ready? If not, what do you need to change? Thank you so much for joining us for this week's study. 